Welcome to the Inside Muskegon Podcast with your host, Jason Pisecki. And now, here's Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number 48. I'm Jason Pisecki. The Inside Muskegon Podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Paul Keep, a commentary on the interview, and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. Our interview this week is with Paul Keep with the Muskegon Chronicle. I'm here with Paul Keep from the Muskegon Chronicle. Thank you for taking the time out with Inside Muskegon today. My pleasure, Jason. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start out talking a little bit about your background? Okay. Uh, I'm a transplanted Michigander. I grew up uh, in Kalamazoo after being born in Ohio and uh, then have uh, gone to school in Ohio and Missouri to get degrees related to my journalism career and came back to Michigan to start my career in Kalamazoo. Went to Muskegon after that, then Bay City, then Flint, and then fortunately for me and my family in May, came back to Muskegon. What is your position at the Chronicle? I'm the editor, and that puts me in charge of all of the newsroom functions, all the photography, the reporting, editing, that kind of thing. Well, you have a unique perspective because you've kind of been around the state and different areas and coming back to Muskegon. What's your take on the state of Muskegon? Well, one of the reasons I was happy to come back and, and privileged to come back was that I think Muskegon is in a great position right now. And uh, I compare it to 13 years ago when I was here as the news editor at the Chronicle. That was from 89 to 93. And then uh, talking with our publisher, Gary Ostrom, about the things that are going on in this community right now compared to 13 years ago. And I just see tremendous progress. And then Coming back May 1st, my first summer was spent in large part going from one grand opening and ribbon cutting and, and groundbreaking to another. So it's been, I think, dramatic progress. So I would say the state of Muskegon is is good and getting better. What are the challenges with determining the content of a daily paper in Muskegon? Well, it's, it's that's one of the core questions that I get whenever I speak uh, out in the community. And, and the function of a newspaper, of course, is to tell people what's going on around them. And how do we do that? Well, we've got a, a very talented, trained, professional staff that uh, is out there writing stories, taking pictures, designing pages, editing pages. And the core question that we ask each other every morning at 6.30, we gather for our meeting that determines what goes on the front page. And we basically say, what do we think readers in this area of Michigan, what would they find interesting? And that's a very broad question and gives us a lot of latitude. Sometimes it's hard news, very serious material. A lot of times we try to break that up with some softer, more, uh, I don't know, sometimes just funny stories, humor uh, but the basic core function we have is what do we think people in this area would find interesting? And we've got all kinds of uh, reporters out there trying to do that. Is there some sort of magic formula or criteria <laughs> for determining what is newsworthy or that mix of local news and some of the things that are supplemented from the syndicated services? Well, and that's a core question, too. It's not like there's a scientific formula where you plug in what happened overnight and out comes the front page uh we look at i mean it's kind of logical things if something happens that's local 
we're more interested in that than something in Lansing or Washington. So localness is uh, something that goes into that equation about newsworthiness. If something happens to a famous person from Muskegon, that's a little more newsworthy than something that happens to an average Joe or, or Jane. And that's kind of just the way the world is. People don't think that's fair all the time, but uh, that's kind of the way it is. If it affects, if something happens and it affects a whole lot of people in our area, that's more newsworthy than something that uh, is just affecting a small group. Um, so we try to use kind of those guides. And then the, the basic question if this is on the front page, would people pick it up and read it? Is it interesting to them? So, you know, these days, well, any story about uh, bowling in the old days would be a, probably a front page story or at least a story of great interest because of Bruns- Brunswick's presence here. Uh, and now that's phasing down a little bit and they're going to stop, but they're going to still have people here, but not producing some of the equipment that we've been used to producing. So now things about bowling over time may be a little less newsworthy than they used to be. But of course we have an election coming up November 7th and there's always a lot of discussion about why did you pick that story on the front page? Why didn't you? Uh, when when Governor Granholm and her opponent Dick DeVos have a debate, that's that's a newsworthy event, of course, and those have been covered on the front page. But uh, not every story, blow by blow, about a campaign gets on the front page, and so that kind of opens us up to criticism. Well, why'd you put it on the front page this day, and why not the next day? But the the thing I love about newspapers is that every day is a fresh start. If we don't do so well the day before, we can try to make it up the next day, and and it's always a new set of stories to pick from. So that that makes it interesting to me. Well, the political topic poses a really interesting point right now. One one thing more than like who gets what placement that I think people might be interested in is how does the Chronicle come up with their endorsements? When you endorse a candidate, what's mm-hmm. the process for that? And we're in the middle of it right now, so it's kind of interesting that you would raise that question. Uh, Pretty much every afternoon at 3 o'clock, myself, the publisher, and the editorial page editor have invited in different candidates. And so we'll sit down in one room with the candidates on both sides for a particular seat. And basically, we ask them questions. You know, we, we follow the news. We are curious people, so we ask them what their positions are on various issues. And then uh, they answer. Sometimes they debate each other. Sometimes they debate us. It's usually pretty lively and always entertaining and interesting. And I was a political science major in college, so this is all kind of really fun stuff for me. When they leave the room is when the discussion gets even more interesting because uh, the goal of our editorial board in a election season is to not necessarily tell our readers, you must vote for so-and-so. Our goal is to say, go in there and say, we've asked both candidates tough questions, good questions. They've responded. Who do we think would best serve the constituents of that district, whether it's county board, state rep, governor, what have you? And so we'll sit around the table, the three of us, and we're the three who make up the editorial board, the editor, publisher, and editorial page editor, and say, well, what'd you think of this answer? What'd you think of that answer? Were they being frank with us? Did they tell us what they really thought? Um, does it agree with our editorial position that we've staked out as a newspaper in the past? And then that bottom line question, who will do the best job for the voters? And 
sometimes we come to an instant agreement and then the, the editorial gets written from that. Other times, uh, one or more of us may have a strong feeling for this candidate. The others may have a strong feeling for that candidate, and we're kind of in a situation where there's not a unanimous decision. And that's okay. I mean, we have those discussions, and the editorial we write on those split decisions will reflect that and kind of say, here's the pros and the cons of each candidate. So uh, endorsing candidates gets us in hot water because usually – if you pick one person, the other person's not going to be happy, and they all have their supporters. But the tradition goes back for hundreds of years and is a, a staple of newspapers. used to be done in broadcasting with TV and maybe perhaps radio, uh, but you don't see that so much anymore, and we're kind of the lone wolves out there. In fact, I've had people within my business say, well, you won't be endorsing candidates much longer. It causes you to have too many enemies. and." Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's a good tradition. I think you do raise awareness of the issues. And uh, we've had people say that they wait for the Chronicle endorsement to know who to vote against. If we pick someone, they pick the other person. So it, it's taken in good good judgment, good light, I think, and is part of what our service to the community is all about. As editor of the Chronicle, do you feel pressure to be either positive about Muskegon or not lean one way liberal or conservative with these political endorsements and have that influence your thinking? Well, it's been interesting as kind of the new kid on the block here uh, since May. Uh, I've had a lot of feedback of all kinds, which I welcome, and I've sought a lot of it out. But some of the political feedback is the most interesting because uh, it's tended to be along the lines of, well, you're too liberal. Um, and shouldn't be so left-leaning, give President Bush a chance, give uh, you know the Republicans in the state legislature a chance. And what the way I respond is it's very important uh, for a newspaper on the editorial page to have a strong position. Um, readers are free to disagree with it. We're not saying this is the only position. If you're reading us, you're reading our point of view. And over time, you'll start to understand, because I think we're fairly consistent, what our point of view is. Uh, The other thing, though, that happens is people confuse that uh, strong opinion with then the news coverage. And if you get into a situation where you're the editor of a paper and your reporters who are covering things just for news stories, not for editorials, If you don't have the credibility, if they think that you're writing a story because, say, they think you're liberal based on what they read on the editorial page, and then would they then presume that you give favorable coverage, unfair favorable coverage to Democratic candidates or other liberal positions? And I've spent a lot of time trying to explain the difference between opinion and news coverage and telling them, yeah, we're not perfect. You know, we're, we're a newsroom of 50 or so human beings. And everyone comes in with their opinion, their personal opinion, but professionally they try to filter that out and write a straightforward, objective story. And then after they write that, the editor who edits it is also supposed to be objective and not engaging in their personal opinion. So we've got some checks and balances. Do we make mistakes? Have we had problems? Sure. I'm sure we have and and will have because it's human nature. But uh, I think it's it's fair to say that, that that's probably the number one issue, number one complaint I hear. And uh, uh, people can judge us on the editorial any way they like. And, you know, you read the Free Press in Detroit and the Detroit News, very different editorial pages. 
but I think their reporters are told to go out and cover the stories as fairly as they can. And we certainly try to do the same thing here. What's your vision for the Chronicle 10 years from now with the convergence of media and so much media going online? One thing that I like that you you guys are doing there now at the Chronicle since you came along is you're doing some internet exclusives and store news go on the internet first. Um, you know, the Chronicle is one of those those great papers. I don't know if it's because I grew up in Muskegon and moved away and came back, but it's the one I still like to have in my hands and mm-hmm. read and have the physical copy there, but I still am always going online to get the latest and greatest. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the great thing about the news breaks online. Uh, what do you see the role of the newspaper being in 10 years? Well, it's a really, really interesting time to be in newspapers because you know, next year the Chronicle is going to celebrate 150 years of publishing. That's a long time. I mean, you can think of all the technological changes that have happened in 150 years. But right now is, as you point out, we're changing the way we deliver news to people. Uh, by far, you know, most of our customers and readers are still paying for the Chronicle, either for home delivery or at the newsstand. But the world's changing, and a lot of information is available uh, over the Internet for no charge. So we're kind of in the middle of grappling with that. I'm not sure we've got it all figured out yet, but uh, you're right. Since June, we've started putting some stories on the Internet, which is MLive.com for us, and the Chronicle site, the Chronicle edition of MLive. Uh, some stories are being posted there that have not yet been in the paper, and that was never done before I arrived. So that's that's kind of a new step. The idea here is we want to always be the leader in local news. And uh, we've done that for 150 years, I think, through the newspaper. TV, radio really don't have a lot of depth in their coverage of our market. And so we're kind of the number one news leader. Now, that's not very humble of me, but I think it's true. Uh, But to keep that in the new world, when anyone can go on the Internet and post stories and the blogging and everything else that's going on, um, I don't think it's enough anymore to just put out the paper and then put the contents of what you published in the paper online. I want people to think about going to the Michigan Live Muskegon Chronicle site when something big breaks, say, on a Sunday when we've already published we would normally then not be able to publish again until Monday afternoon, you know, Monday at noon or in the afternoon for home delivery. Well, that's an awful long time to wait to get the Chronicle's take on news coverage. So now we're in the position where we can have something happen, say, on a Sunday at noon, big explosion, big breaking story of some kind, and our reporters can go out and report on it. And their words and the pictures that our photographers take don't have to wait till Monday afternoon in the Monday paper. We can put those online. Editors can do it from their home. It's amazing. I don't have to tell you this. amazing the way the technology has changed and allowed you to do things. Um, and we're going to be able to be in the breaking news business again that we haven't been in for a long time. You know, TV can break into programming. Radio can come right in and say, we interrupt this program, and we published once a day, and that's about all we could do. So it's an exciting time to be in the newspaper business. What will it look like in 10 years? It's very hard for me to predict with any kind of accuracy. I think you're going to see us doing more and more online. I know we're we're planning to get into multimedia reporting. Right now we use words and still pictures. But why not? add audio why not add video taken by chronicle staff so that on the internet 
people can get the full dimension of the story. I think that's exciting. That's going to let us do some new things. Uh, not everyone's excited about it because we haven't figured out how to pay for it. <laughs> but I think you know our backbone economically has been advertising. And people advertise in the Chronicle because they know that it gets read because of the news coverage and the ads. So over time, I think some of that advertising will migrate to the Internet. Probably for the rest of my career, which is 15, 20 years, I'm fully expecting the Chronicle to be printed on paper and sold and valued. Like you said, there's a a generation or a group of people that really enjoy holding the newspaper and, and the portability that gives you and just kind of a, almost like a warm feeling. It's a comfortable thing. You know it. Uh, do we want to get all of our news from the screen when we spend all day working on the screen? I don't know. You know, some of that's going to change. I, I think it's clear my generation prefers a printed newspaper. And probably my kids, who are in their teen years now, very comfortable getting in their news on online. Of course, I make them read the Chronicle, too. But I think their generation is going to be very used to getting news on the Internet. And we need to continue to be the most trusted source of local news. And I think getting it's a different delivery method, but it complements our current delivery method. And I think that's going to expand as we go along. Well, the message is the same regardless of the delivery method. I, I think that's an important point yeah. and something for people to keep in mind. Yeah. All right. On to our last question. Okay. You have one minute alone with a person considering reading the Muskegon Chronicle. Make your pitch to get them to read it. That's a great question and and one that we need to sharpen, I'm sure, at the Chronicle. But uh, the pitch I would make is if you want to know what's going on in your community, and you should want to know that, (laughs) uh, the best source is the Chronicle, whether it's the printed paper that certainly gives you the depth that you can't get anywhere else in the media or the online with the breaking news and, and that method. The two of them together are pretty remarkable. All right. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate being here. The Muskegon Chronicle has been delivering news for well over a century. Over that time, the Chronicle has established itself as the preeminent source for news in the community. It was interesting to hear Paul's comments on what's involved with how they come up with some of the editorial opinions and political endorsements that they arrive at. It's not just one person's opinion, but a consensus of different points of view on a topic or political candidates that ultimately result in the editorials. The role of the media is not only to report positive news. Media outlets like the Chronicle are supposed to report the news as it happens, good, bad, or indifferent, and do it in an objective fashion. That is what newspapers do. It is a public's responsibility to interpret that news as they see fit. I was also fascinated by Paul's comments on the Chronicle 10 years from now. I commend him for having the vision to address some of the concerns that newspapers are having all around the country about competing in this age of media convergence. With newspapers competing with new media, including online publications, video on demand, and podcasts, I was impressed with the Chronicle's push to deliver news over the web, even putting it out to the web first before the printed newspaper. I envision that being more and more the norm over the years to come. Even though the delivery vehicle may change, it's a message that's key. I have very little doubt that if the Chronicle remains in touch with trends in media, they will continue to be the source for news in Muskegon 10 years from now and well beyond. 
For more information on the Muskegon Chronicle, pick up a copy of the paper or visit them online at mlive.com. I'm going to move on now to some listener feedback. And for the latest feedback, visit InsideMuskegon.com. You can post your own comments to the site, view the comments of others, and even comment on their comments. Feedback can also be left via voicemail at 231-354-2332. When dialing, be sure to include a 1 and 231 and leave your first name and city in the message. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number 48 of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at InsideMuskegon.com. Inside Muskegon is produced by Jeremy Sear. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at Jason at InsideMuskegon.com. This has been the Inside Muskegon Podcast. Comments are welcome through our website or by emailing jason at insidemuskegon.com.